This is the 9.8 Podcast. All right, welcome back. Episode 2 here of the 9.8 Podcast. Today's episode is going to be all about women. Uh, as we're just on the heels of International Women's Day a couple weeks ago, wanted to share some thoughts that I had uh, all about you know the, the role of females within not only you know athletics and sports, uh, but in training as well, both uh, you know as a trainers, as coaches, and as athletes, as clients as well. I wanted to share a couple of personal stories and, and anecdotal uh, you know things surrounding training women and um, perhaps some of the myths or um, you know uncertainties about you know women in strength training and women in uh, sports and athletics in general. Uh, so we'll just kind of dive right into it. So me as a trainer, and honestly, my favorite favorite clients to train are women, uh, hands down, uh, a couple of different reasons for that. Uh, usually men, we, we walk around with giant egos, whether you're the nicest guy in the world or not. Um, everybody's got a little bit of an ego, uh, especially when it comes to working out, training, um, and especially strength training. Women are just a little bit more understanding. Uh, I, I've found that women are more absorbent uh, to sharing knowledge, which if you listen to episode one, you know how I'm a trainer that, you know, it's more about getting a, the, the client to understand the what and the why and the how uh, behind everything we're doing instead of just like, hey, I'm the trainer, you're the client, you do what I say, and, you know, hopefully you sweat a bunch and I convince you you had a great workout. Uh, you guys know that's not me. So uh, from that standpoint, um, I really appreciate all the female clients that I've had the opportunity to work with um, as, as they've taken that to heart and um, have really become great athletes themselves because of what we've been able to accomplish as far as having great conversations, um, you know, and obviously making sure that they understand exactly what they're doing. Um, and then as far as, you know, in sports and athletics, I've um, had minimal exposure uh, to females in that in that role, but I did want to share some some thoughts I had there as well. Um, so the personal story I, I had about training, uh, it, it kind of started a, a while ago. I was living in Metro Detroit, and I just got um, hooked up with a new gym that I was, well, it was a national chain gym. I won't say where or what it was, but uh, I went there for a visit, and you know, the, the gal at the front desk was kind of walking me through the gym, you know, showing me where everything was at. And, you know, I asked, I was like, what's that area up there? And there was kind of like a, almost like a terrace type loft area um, at one end of the entire gym. And she's like, oh, that's the, the female only section. And on surface, I thought, wow, what a great idea, you know, because let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, men, a lot of the times can intimidate women in the gym and also because we're pigs and we, for whatever reason, can't leave women alone. Um, and a woman can't just get a good workout without a guy acting like a douchebag and, you know, making her feel uncomfortable. And unfortunately that's the world we live in. So, you know, on surface I was like, okay, that's great. You provide them a safe place to just focus, get their workout in, um, and, and, and get out and, and just get on with their day. And, I asked, I was like, do you mind if, if, if I see it? Obviously, I'm not going to be using it, but I'm pretty pretty curious. And 
Uh, so she walked me up there, and, and this is where the, kind of the tables turned of what I thought was a cool idea, and I was actually left with a, a negative impression of the gym entirely. Maybe that was a little dramatic, but um, just hear me out. So we walk up the stairs, we get up there, and there's a giant row of treadmills uh, followed by a giant row of ellipticals and a couple of upright bikes and recumbent bikes. And there's like maybe two dumbbell trees that like go up to like 12s. And that was it. Maybe a couple mats for like stretches and, and core work and stuff like that. And that's where it turned for me because from that point on, I was like, you know, the stigma of a woman working out can only use the cardio equipment or can only lift X amount. Just it, it, it was, it just sat wrong with me. And I've kind of carried that moment on, you know, throughout becoming a personal trainer um, and a strength and conditioning coach. And I've always kept that moment as a driver to, you know, at least give a female the opportunity to train a little bit heavier and not, you know, have it be detrimental to what she wants to accomplish or, you know, what she wants to look like. Um, and, and letting, uh, you know, somebody know that, hey, hey, the entire gym is at your disposal. You're not just sequestered to using the treadmill and using the elliptical and, you know, lifting fives. And that, to me, has been almost as great as... Um, anything else that I've accomplished of just so many women that I've worked with that feel so empowered um, to be able to, you know, expand their horizon as far as what equipment to work with, what exercises they can do, um, and and kind of what progressions they can make upon themselves. And having people really fully understand that and just like really like almost become inspired to now try new things um, has really been a, a great um you know, thing that I've, am fortunate to say that I've been a part of. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll get, I'll get a, you know, a female client to come into the gym and they're, and, and, and you guys will, in one of my upcoming episodes, I'm going to do kind of a, a pet peeves and, you know, greatest myths about the training industry. So there's a little foreshadowing for that. But, um, you know, one of my least favorite things is I always hear lifting heavy weights is going to make me bulky. Uh, right, maybe you guys are thinking that as well, um, but I always get women to to tell me that, and and that's one of my biggest like. And I understand there's so much content out there that, of course, if you hear that, you know you're you're probably just gonna take it for face value, and um, that's where I I, I want to draw the line of of don't take anything ever for face value, even if it's you know from me, I I see myself as a pretty well educated person in this field, and. Uh, you know, even conversations with me, I always tell people to, Hey, have this serve as a jumping off point and then, you know, do some research. Let's have more conversations about it and we'll kind of sort through the weeds together. Um, but that's, you know, the woman comes to me and says, no, I don't want to lift heavy weights. It's going to make me bulky. I don't want to look like the She-Hulk. And it's one of the greatest myths of our industry is that that is not necessarily the case. It obviously, there's a lot of variables there. It depends on the implementation of the exercises, the volume, um, and, and kind of the schedule that you're working with, um, and also the individual that you're working with. Uh, but no, there are so many worker workarounds that we can no longer be limited to, you know, the cardio equipment, uh, you know, the three to five pound dumbbells and, and nothing more um, for a female. So that is... Um, 
again, something that's been truly, truly inspiring to watch a lot of uh, women that I've had the opportunity uh, to not only become friends with, but um, to be as part of their training journey and um, watch them really, really expand their horizons of what they're capable of. Next, um, kind of shifting, you know, you go into the strength and conditioning industry, which uh, if you listen again to episode one, uh, kind of explained a little bit of my transition into the uh, strength and conditioning world. Um, and that is an industry that has been male dominated for uh, so long. And obviously that's starting to change a little bit because now we're finally realizing that, hey, you know, these gals, just because we didn't give them the opportunity to play, you know, all these contact sports, they still know what the hell they're talking about. And um, you, you're starting to see a lot of um, roles for females as coaches. But, um, you know, as far as in SNC, you know, training the female athlete, um, it's still something that work needs to be done there. And you still see a lot of coaches that train females differently than the males. Now, you might see that. You might see the girls' basketball team train differently than the football team, and you might see the volleyball team train differently than the baseball team or whatever have you. Um, but that's not just because of the gender of the athlete. You know, the the sport-specific demands, uh, the ske- you know, the schedule of, of the sport they're playing, obviously all those things play roles into it. Uh, but when I, you know, talk to another coach or another trainer and we'll talk about, okay, what's your approach, uh, you know, with, 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 with the women versus the men. And if they obviously have different approaches and the only reason for those different approaches is because they're women, that's when I'll, I'll stare at them and be like, you know, that's, that's not right. That's dumb. Uh, you need to come up with at least a much better, um, reason for, treating those athletes differently. Um, the personal story that I wanted to share surrounding this was I was recently offered a job as a high school strength and conditioning coach. Um, again, I'm not going to say where. Uh, I want to protect uh, that school's anonymity. Wow. Um, and the biggest reason uh, why I turned it down, it was, it was a great opportunity. Um, great staff there that they had that I had the opportunity to meet great facilities, great school, great kids that I got to observe. Um, you know, it checked a lot of boxes, but the biggest thing that was just a clear, I don't want to work here, um, was the fact that they were adamant about treating female athletes and male athletes differently for no other reasons, but because they were boys and girls. Um, meaning, you know, they wanted all the, the, the boys sports to lift heavy, and lift often, and they wanted all the girls' sports to basically kind of revert back to that old way of thinking of cardio and stretches and, um, you know, all the mobility work, and, and then that was it. And I just, that sat so wrong with me uh, for a multitude of different reasons. Um, you know, obviously, it, it's, it's a detriment to those female athletes because they're not giving the quality strength training that they need to not only succeed in the sport, but also um, to help, um, you know, and aid in injury prevention. Now, I mean, strength work is not always going to be a surefire injury preventative, but it is, uh, you know, by far one of the best tools that we have right now to 
decrease our chances of injury uh, by having a functionally strong body. And I don't care if you're a boy or you're a girl, you need a functionally strong bodily body if you're going to ask it to do, um, you know, some pretty athletic things. So uh, that was kind of the first thing that I, I couldn't get past. And then the second thing was um, they wanted to hire both a female and male strength coach. Um, the female strength coach to obviously work with the females and the male strength coach to just work with males. And that was, I, I, I don't know which one was worse. I don't know that necessarily one was worse than the other, but, um, you know, I didn't really care. There was just, it was two strikes and you're out kind of deal for me. Um, the fact of the matter that, you know, it wasn't that I didn't want to work with a female strength coach. In fact, just the opposite. I, I've been a giant advocate for, uh, you know, women in this industry and, I would have loved the opportunity to work um, alongside with a female. It would have been honored. But the fact of the matter was you're telling that coach, that female coach, that you're only good enough to work with the girls. Um, and you're telling me that you're only good enough to work with the boys. You know, we don't trust you. It, it, it's, it's good to have a female presence in the weight room uh, to provide um, you know, an outlet to some of those girls, obviously having a female in the weight room can, uh, help with comfortability, um, help with accountability. Um, however, just, you know, again, the message that you're sending, you know, I mentioned to the female strength coach, but what message are you sending to those female athletes? You're telling them, you know, we only think so much of you that you're only going to um, you know, be instructed by a coach, whoever, Coach Jane Doe, and, oh, don't worry about Coach Pete, you know, he's not, it's, it's setting the precedent that they are still different than the male athletes, which, I don't know about you guys, but I think that is something that I've at least wanted to work really hard to try to change, and I think society needs to start working harder to change, and we've done a great job so far, uh, but we still have so far to go uh, within that. So um, that was, again, this the second reason that I was just like, you know what, guys, do what you want to do, but this isn't the opportunity for me. It's not going to work out. Um, again, uh, my approach uh, has always been, you know, you treat male and female athletes the exact same, uh, and the only differences are what sport do they play, how often do they play? And then obviously then you can, you try the, your best to break it down by individual. Um, you know, what's going on with that individual? What are their needs? What are they good at? What are they not good at? What are they strong at? What are they weak at? And you assess and you move forward. And that shouldn't be different. It's, I don't care whether you're a boy or a girl. That shouldn't be the main reason why your program is different than anybody else's. And I can't imagine that they're the only school that, that thinks that way. And, and again, with high school strength and conditioning becoming more and more of an uh, in-demand service, that I would hope that a lot of schools are uh, are going to be treating their female athletes uh, the same as the male athletes as far as giving them the proper uh, guidance and the proper care. Um, now, I will say, um, you know, I live in West Michigan, and a majority of the schools that I've had the opportunity to um, either be a part of or, you know, at a minimum observe, um, do a wonderful job of that. Um, you know, one of a school that I was working for uh, for a brief time, their best lifters were their cheerleaders. And 
just phenomenal athletes, super powerful. It was an Olympic-based uh, program, and these girls could just knock out Olympic lifts and were just moving a ton of weight and doing it really, really well. Uh, and it was just really, really fun to see because, you know, the old adage of, like, oh, cheerleading's not a sport, dude. And, like, then you you walk into these weight rooms and you just see these girls just throwing up just a great amount of weight, doing it well, and it was just really inspiring. And, uh, you know, I felt, like, how empowering is that, you know, for, for some of the other female athletes to see is... Um, and, and I, thought, I just thought it was really special. I know there's so many schools that are doing it right that way. Um, and they deserve to be recognized. Um, and uh, I just would hope that the rest of the industry is going to um, kind of follow suit. So now let's look at, you know, women kind of on a broader scope, women in sports and athletics in general. Um, and this has been something that, you know, I've set as a goal for myself a while ago, kind of when I started training and I started, you know, obviously gaining a majority of the female clients. And I I told myself, and this might sound stupid, but I don't really care. I told myself that I don't know at what level yet or how yet, but I want to play a major role in kind of shifting the narrative of what women do in sports and how they do it. And again, whether that's, you know, just training women, uh, you know, whether that's uh, being a part of, you know, more of an inclusive uh, strength and conditioning program, or maybe it's just talking about it on a podcast that few people listen to. Doesn't matter. That it might. Who knows where it's going to go from here? But I'm I'm never going to stop trying to be an advocate and doing what I can to again help shift that narrative. And and you see it start kind of already in in progress where you know you look at a lot of coaching staffs around uh, the NBA, around the NFL, around Major League Baseball, and you're starting to see a lot of females pop up in these major organizations. And it's really, really nice. Obviously, in baseball, it's starting at the minor league level. Um, you know, in basketball, starting as a low-level assistant. and football, starting as a low-level assistant. But what that, to me, what that signifies is that we're slowly going away from that old-school thinking of you had to be a former player uh, in order to kind of be worth it as a coach. I think, I mean, just look at, regardless of gender, look at all, like, the young coaches in general in um, in baseball and in football especially. Um, you know, we're starting to see that, you know, you don't have to be somebody who's kind of worked up from, you know, a, a grad assistant in college to a coordinator in college to a head coach in college to a special teams coordinator in the NFL to a, you know, quarterback's coach to an offensive coordinator and now you're a head coach. You don't necessarily need to take all those steps. If you can prove objectively that you have a vision and you know how to execute that vision and you know, you know, exactly how you need to get there, what you need to do to get there. I don't think you need all those steps. And if, you know, those, if that can be put in place for a young male coach, then why the heck can't it be done for a female coach? Um, and, and I think we're finally slowly coming to that realization is, Hey, if she knows what she's talking about and she can objectively make me a better player, why wouldn't I listen to her as a coach? And it's not becoming like this weird, like, oh, I got a girl coach. And it is is now you're just looking at it as a coach. You're not a female coach. You're just a coach. And um, it's been a really nice thing to see. And I, I could only uh, hope 
that it, it keeps exponentially growing uh, from where it is now. And then that also spills over to, you know, on the field of play, you know, obviously with the female sports that are in place now, it's kind of a tough thing because obviously it's the exposure is of course going to be revenue generated. Um, and it's not as, you know, quote unquote popular as some of the male sports, but, um, you know, perhaps we see a shift there too. And, you know, I've got a seven month, almost eight month old son. And my hope for him is that he grows up in a world where he can watch a WNBA game and just be just as thrilled about watching that as an NBA game. I hope he grows up in a world where he idolizes athletes like Serena Williams, Diana Taurasi, uh, you know, the list goes on, Alex Morgan, uh, Megan Rapino. you know, that he looks to them the same way that he would look to a LeBron James or, you know, Chris Bryant or, you know, any of the like there, um, the big names in the male sports. But, um, you know, if he wants to buy, uh, you know, like I said, Ser- oh, Serena Williams doesn't have a jersey. She's my favorite, one of my favorite athletes of all times. Um, but, it, you know, if, she, if he wants to, you know, wear a Megan Rapino jersey, and that's his favorite player, that's that's awesome. You know, and that's kind of one of my biggest hopes for him is that he grows up in a world where that's not looked at as weird or um, abnormal, as that becomes the norm where, you know, an athlete is just looked at just as that, as an athlete, and uh, regardless of their gender, regardless of their sport they play. Um, you know, secondly, I hope that he grows up in a world where uh, there's a lot of female counterparts on the sports team that he's playing. Maybe he won't even play sports. Maybe he won't even like sports. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I doubt it because I love sports and he's going to, the next few years, just going to sit on the couch as I watch everything I can. Um, so hopefully he picks up some, some things that he likes to see. But um, like I said, you know, the kids are going to do what they're going to do. And, and if he doesn't like sports, that's fine. But um, if he does and he wants to play sports, I hope that, uh, there's a very good mix of female and, and males uh, within the teams that he's a part of. Um, you know, a quick side story is when I was in middle school, uh, and I was on the football team, and there was two girls on our team. And one of them was objectively the fastest kid on the team. Like, wasn't even close. She was just an absolute rocket. And she was the backup kicker. And the other girl was objectively the strongest person on the team. And she was the backup center. And it was just, looking, you know, at the time I was 7th and 8th grade. Like, I didn't really, really care much about it. But, um, you know, looking back on that, I'm like, you, you run a football team. And you have the fastest kid on the team playing backup kicker. And it wasn't like, you know, a lot of a lot of females go into, you know, become kickers on football teams as they play football. You know, maybe some of them are soccer players that, you know, that's an easy transition. Or um, maybe some of them do it uh, if, if they're smaller. Uh, but she didn't want to be a kicker. Like, she wanted to be a running back. And she's probably a damn good running back. Because, um, you know, it's middle school. You don't necessarily need a lot of tools other than being really, really fast. And she was really, really fast. And the other gal was uh, really, really strong. Just had great fundamental technique. Couldn't move her. She could move you. And 
again, she she was on the offensive line, but she's the backup, and she was the backup center, which I believe we had a rule in place that um, all snaps were um, under center, and her coaches assumed that she wouldn't be okay with that, even though they put her at center, which was kind of weird uh, looking back in it now. Um, but the, there was also, uh, I don't think you could line up directly on top of the center at the time, uh, in seventh grade, at least I remember that being a thing. Um, so I think that's why they put her at center is like, oh, so no, we won't put anybody right on top of her. Um, again, trying to like minimize her exposure to football, which was, again, she was there electively and she was really good at what she was doing. So I, I don't know that I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent here because actually now bringing that back up for the first time in a while is um <laughs> kind of got me heated a little bit um you know but i, I would imagine you you kind of saw that you know and this was the early 2000s you, you saw that probably a lot more than you didn't and again i would really really sincerely hope uh that that is something that has recently been changed or in the prog- progress of drastically changing itself uh last thing i wanted to express was uh, I wanted to see if this gained any traction out there. If anybody agrees with me, uh, please feel free to reach out You know, to me, you know, social media, any of those things. Um, I would really love to hear some feedback on this. This is my crazy idea that I've had for a while now. Um, and hear me out. So my idea, I want to get rid of the sport of softball. I want to completely abolish it. I want every fluorescent yellow giant baseball to be thrown in a fire somewhere and I want that sport to never be played again and I'll tell you why so this goes back to oh gosh I think it was 2014 or 2015 my wife and I are sitting on the couch and there was a tv show on Fox and I can't remember the name of it and I think it was only on for one season and it was about a girl who makes it to the major leagues and it kind of all, like, you know, obviously obviously it's fiction. And it kind of documented her journey of, you know, going through the minor leagues and facing all this adversity and becoming a major league pitcher. And I remember we were watching it, and I was jacked up to watch this series. And I obviously it didn't do well if it was only on for one series or one season. And my wife and I are watching an episode. And she looks at me and she goes, do you really think this will ever happen? And... Because I want it to happen, and I want to live in a world where I can believe that we're going to make the progress eventually, um, you know, both societally and athletically, that, you know, a female can absolutely get by as a, as, as a major league pitcher. And so I looked at her without a, thinking about it, and I said, yeah, absolutely, because that's what I want to believe. And, you know, we kind of did a back and forth, and we're talking it through, and, and then I was kind of talking myself down. I was like, you know what? As long as softball is a thing, I don't know how this can ever happen. And I'll tell you why. Because it's my theory, you know, obviously to make it to that level as a pitcher, you've got to go through obviously so many levels of baseball, get noticed by so many people. Um, and obviously staying healthy is a big variable there. But, um, you know, there's so many other variables of that can, you know, make or break your success. And one of them is, obviously the biggest one, is just the opportunity. And as far as I'm concerned, as long as softball is a sport that all girls are sent to play, they'll never have the opportunity to play that. Now, of course, you're going to get, um, 
you know, uh, th- that young gal, her name escapes me. Uh, I believe it was Monique. Uh, that was in the Little League World Series. Obviously, and, and obviously, the fact that it was such a big deal um, kind of tells you it never happens because there was such a big deal that was made out of her playing in the Little League World Series and absolutely dominating. Um, it was such a big deal, and it tells you that, yeah, that never happens because girls don't get the opportunity because they're sending, they say, hey, you have to play this sport, which is kind of like baseball, but you're going to use a much bigger ball in a much smaller field, and you're going to throw it underhanded. Um, and as long as that sport is being played, Every baseball coach at a higher level, whether it's high school, whether that's AAU, whether that's, you know, the, the travel baseball, um, you know, youth travel sports, or whether it's in college, wherever, wherever that transition is trying to be made by a young woman, you're always going to have a coach that's going to have an out. They're going to have that, um, you know, that, that reason, uh, that excuse to fall back on of, well, you know, I would have loved to take you on the team, but, you know, you just don't have the experience, right? You never played baseball before. I don't think this is the right place to start for you. Every coach in America is going to have that excuse to fall back on. And, you know, maybe sometimes they're the correct, but I think it's just a cop-out. It's, you know, we don't want to take the risk of having a girl on our team. And, ooh, we can just use the default excuse of, well, you never played baseball before, so... Um, we're not going to let you start now. And as long as that excuse, as long as softball is out there, that excuse is going to be valid. And it sucks, but um, I, I just can't imagine moving forward. And again, going back to my wife and I watching this TV show, I can't imagine a, a, a female, you know, getting the opportunity to, to succeed such a, at such a high level if at some point in the in her story, she's going to run into a coach that's not going to want to take her because... Oh, well, you know, you grew up playing softball, um, you know, as beautiful of a story as it was and, and as much as I want it to come true. That's kind of my, my crazy um, outlandish idea. Um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of young girls that love softball, uh, you know, and it is a great game. Um, however, it, I, I always felt that, you know, why can't girls play baseball? It's, you know, other than the movie, uh, you know, A League of Their Own, which is a fantastic film. Uh, why can't girls play baseball? And, um, you know, I, I remember back when I was in high school, I was on the baseball team, and uh, we had uh, a girl who I was friends with, and she was on the softball team, and she could throw and hit and field baseball better than some of the guys on her, probably better than me. Um, she was a fantastic athlete. and But then, you know, when she's done playing catch with us, she you know, jog back over to the softball field and play softball. But... Um, you know, I, I just always, you know, thought that if girls could just play baseball, you know, what opportunities could that create for other young girls to succeed in the Little League World Series and then get noticed? And then maybe high schools would have more of a um, of a mixed-gendered team, and then maybe some females get opportunities playing college baseball. And then it's, you know, it obviously goes on from there. Um, and again, kind of going back to... Um, you know, my, my story about in strength and conditioning, you know, we shouldn't dictate the, the athlete's program based on the gender that they are, just based on the athlete. Um, you know, whether an athlete's good enough to make it to that next level, it shouldn't be based upon whether they are a, a man or a woman, whether they play baseball or softball. It should just be 
can they play? Can they make your team better? And if that box is checked, then you move them on. And again, it's kind of a kind of a crazy uh, theory slash idea, uh, but I think if if we got rid of the sport of softball, I think uh, the opportunities that would uh, follow behind that for young gals um, to be able to succeed in the sport of baseball would be a lot higher. All right, so uh, last but not least, uh, I wanted to do my spotlight segment again. Uh, this is, again, something where I'm going to do every episode at the end. Uh, we're going to talk about somebody who has been a, a positive influence uh, in my life and my career and or uh, somebody who uh, is, is very inspiring and somebody who deserves to be recognized um, as a, you know, a leader in the industry. Um, today, uh, kind of going with our theme of, uh, you know, a couple weeks after International Women's Day, uh, I wanted to talk about Coach Melanie Red. Uh, she's a strength coach out of, I believe it's Florida. Um, she's a strength coach for high school down there, uh, but she also does private uh, functional training as well. And, uh, you know, it started out as just, uh, I think she just put out a couple workouts or something um, on Twitter, uh, you know, and I just kind of liked the, the conversations that she was having around uh, some of the conver- content that she was putting out. And um like, all right, you know, this, she and I are kind of on the same wavelength as a lot of things. And um, she and I have had some dialogue back and forth. And, um, you know, she's kind of a person that you know, has a really good understanding of, uh, you know, obviously not only what she's doing, but why she's doing it. And and it, it, to me, again, that's a, a phenomenal game changer as a coach, as a trainer, um, you know, to be able to know the purpose behind what you're doing and how to articulate that to the client, to the athlete. And she does a wonderful job of that. She's somebody that, you know, is an instant, you know, on all social media platforms. She tweets something or she puts something out there on Instagram. I'm immediately checking out because um, I know that it's going to be, A, it's going to be worth my time. um, And, you know, it's probably uh, going to make me a better trainer or a better coach because it's going to have some kind of idea or, or perhaps something that's going to challenge an idea of mine. Um, that's going to spark some kind of dialogue uh, that's going to make me better. So uh, you can be, she can be found at um, on Twitter. Her handle is at Coach underscore Mel underscore Red with two Ds. Um, and I would really highly suggest checking her out, um, especially with these, uh, you know, we'll say uh, unpredictable times uh, that we're living in here now with the, uh, with the COVID-19 virus. Um, you know, rapidly spreading. And obviously every Tom, Dick, and Harry is out there, um, you know, pushing their at-home workouts um, that they just created in two seconds. And she has a lot of um, online content um, that she is, um, has, you know, has been promoting, but also um, been sharing. And I would, if you're looking to enhance some type of at-home workout and obviously there's so much content out there so many people trying to do the same thing um but again you have so many people doing it irresponsibly um but you also have coaches like mel who um are putting out really great content uh with a lot of um you know things to keep you thinking behind it it's not just hey do these exercises and then silence right it's Hey, here's some exercises. Here's why we're doing them. Here's how you can apply them. Here's, you know, and and I and I would be willing to bet she would 
uh, be, be very open to any conversations um, if, if you wanted to try some of uh, the things that she's putting out there and um, you know how it can be applicable to you and, and what a suggested volume would look like uh, for you and and all of those uh, you know extra things that uh, most of the at-home workouts that you see people putting out there are going to lack um, you know it, it's something that has inspired me to kind of do the same um, as far as you know, not just putting out workouts for people to do, but um, wanting to open up to have conversations with folks about, you know, why they're doing what they saw um, on Instagram or, um, you know, how to progress or, or any of those types of things. And uh, Coach Mel is, is uh, she's a wonderful uh, influence on, on the industry. And again, you know, wrapping up the overall theme of the podcast today, um, you know, moving the role of females in athletics forward in training forward, she is absolutely, um, you know, a big cog in that machine, we'll say. Um, and she's a big reason why that, that, uh, the role of females in sports and athletics and training and coaching is going to be keeping, uh, keep moving forward. So, uh, hats off to you, Coach Mel, and, um, thank you for everything you do. Thank you again for listening. This has been the 9.8 Podcast. We'll see you next week.